for listening to another episode of Cosmic Peach. I'm Julia, and today we have on the beautiful Whitney Fox, and she's here to blow our minds. She is a medium spirit animal facilitator, energy healer, and also works with the tarot. I'm so jealous. (laughs) How are you, Whitney? Hi, Julia. Thanks for having me on your show. Thanks for being here. And I was being honest, I am jealous because I grew up watching Teresa Caputo on like TLC. (laughs) And I was like, I want to do that. I want to be her so bad because she'll just be in the bowling alley, just like bowling with her family. And she'll just start licking her lips and she'll be like, somebody's grandma's in here. I need to find (laughs) she's so cool. But I don't know. So how, how did how did you get like what was the tingle what was the feeling and you're like okay I'm drawn to this I think this is my life path well um mostly you know like most lives are pretty wide and varied with a certain paths that you know you come across and things that connect and you know in my case it it sort of was that it was a lot of what you could call metaphysical or paranormal experiences when I was young and then when I was a teenager and young adult and all of that. Um, But I, I, we also live in a culture that isn't necessarily um, kind to facilitating that without being too much of an outsider. So, you know, uh, when those things would happen, I, you know, I would just kind of bank them in my mind and know that I know what I saw or I know what I experienced, but what do I do with it? And then, you know, as I got older, I became fascinated with reading books about mediumship, well, about anything paranormal, you know, near-death experiences, you know, channeling, aliens, ghosts, and you name it, like, it, right up my alley, like <laughs> all of the insatiable, you know, you know, my, my ex-husband would say, oh, she loves her spooky stuff, you know, cause like, <laughs> yeah. always, you know, and um, so when I got older, uh, my, my mom passed away when I was 32 and that was a death that really, I had not experienced as close a death before I'd lost my grand uh, mothers, but I, um, my mom and I were tight and it was a fairly unexpected death. Um, so it, you know, in with my grief addled mind, you know, I was searching, even though I was already open to it, um, you know, I found through a interesting set of circumstances, I found a a legit medium. And um, that whole thing just was a complete paradigm changer. You know, I uh, I, just unexplainable events that went on around that and opened my mind to, you know, 
the reality of that. And so I would say you you might say that my mom taught me to be a medium, you know? Oh, that is so beautiful though, Whitney. (laughs) And so are you able to contact your mother? So this is, you know, mediumship is such a, um, it's such a uh, delicate art. And uh, so where, when, when read, let's say, okay, so if you're reading for a stranger and you bring through evidence, what's called evidentiary mediumship, you know, and the sitter knows that there's no way that you could have known that. And that is part of the healing or a part of the validation is knowing that, you know, the chances of somebody coming up with something very detailed are that are astronomical. So, but when, when I read uh, for friends or family, or even, you know, for myself, there's always the possibility of like, I could have just been drawing something up from memory because it's very close that the way, at least the way that Claire's Claire audience and clairvoyance and clairsentience comes through for me is not unlike memory um, it, because it'll be mem- it'll, it'll, it'll be feelings. It'll be visions. It'll be sounds, but it kind of comes through the third eye, not unlike a memory. Like if I asked you um, to remember a day at the beach right now, then in your mind, you're semi somewhat kind of picturing, you know, mm-hmm. and feeling and maybe even mm-hmm. hearing some of the sounds because that's how memory works. It, it's, a, it's a lot like that. Um, if I go into um, a deeper trance, because there's, you know, that there's that there's different kind of different levels of uh, mediumship, and the deeper trances run a lot more like a movie. And um, all I can even feel and smell things, you know, and so that is a little more validation for me. So that said, there have been many experiences with my mom that I know were her or are her. And she, um, after she passed, I believe she became very good at what's called after death communication. Um, and I didn't even know what that was until she died. And I started having all these crazy signs and symbols and, you know, all of these things that were, um, that were so unexplainable, but I had a knowing that it was her. So um, one of the earmarks of an after death communication is, is um, a significant event that reminds you of your past loved one that is somewhat out of the ordinary um, that is uh, special to you, you know? So you might say, you know, if you've had someone pass, let's say you had a grandpa pass and he collected coins and then all of a sudden you start finding quarters everywhere. Um, It's about how you feel about it. You might tell your, you know, your friend, you might say, oh, this was my grandpa. And they'll say, yeah, right. It's just quarters. You're finding quarters. But to the person being visited, it feels significant, like a synchronicity. Um, Well, and I'll tell you, and and I don't want to tangent you off or interrupt you or anything, but I, and, and, I'm interviewing you, but I feel like I, I'm, I'm just bubbling up right now. Like it's just in my throat and I just got to get it out. So I just connect with you so hard. Um, my mom passed away when I was 23. So the exact inverse of oh, yeah. your mother passed away. Okay. Um, I thought I was going to die when she died. I yeah. loved her so much. She was my angel. She was my queen. She was my shaman. She was my world. Um, she was obsessed with the paranormal. We used to watch scary movies all the time. She would read me ghost books about look at this. And like, we'd go to the, she wanted to go to the actual physical library and get ghost 
paranormal study books and like read them at home. Yeah. Yes. And she, I, I had never had a nosebleed my entire life until the day she died. I was sitting with her on her side of her bed. She couldn't talk. She was so medicated. Um, but she could kind of nod a little bit, but she wasn't opening her eyes or anything. And I was just sitting with her, I was rubbing her hand and I was just saying, sorry, like for all the things I had ever done to her, just making my peace. And then I felt like a drip on my hand and I just had gush of blood just streaming out of my nose. And looking back on, I've never had one since looking back on it. I feel like that was kind of like a release for me. Because I was so connected with my mother, like in an almost unhealthy way, like I couldn't do anything without her. And um, ever since she so she passed away, the nurse comes in, she says, I'm going to call the people, whoever the, they come and get her and they take her back to the funeral home or. And so my mom's name is Sheila and it's pretty unusual name. I, I don't know a lot of Sheila's, but so. She didn't have a middle name, just Sheila. (laughs) And so we're sitting there and you kind of like when somebody dies, you kind of get like where you're grieving so hard, like you're going to throw up Mm -hmm. and then you start laughing with each other and telling stories and you're like at peace and then you start crying again and then you're at peace. So it was weird. So we were in kind of like of a peaceful stage. And then the lady walks in, she said, I'm here um, to to um, get your mother. Uh, My name is Sheila. And we just, the, it did the tears. We were just like, immediately she was showing us like, I'm still here guys. And like every time something significant happens to me, I find a penny. Just like you oh, said. That Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know exactly how it's done, but I do think that there are various, um, there are various things that they can do from that realm Mm -hmm. to like influence like for all we know in the break room you know it was going to be Joan that was going to come talk to you but then it was like you know Joan went for coffee and and Sheila came and did it you know exactly you know um it's magical you know it's very elegant and that's the sign to me of the divine you know when we're dealing with the light it's the elegance with it you know so when you know all I've been criticized and I know people have fear of these things because of dogma and, you know, brainwashing or programming or whatever. But, uh, you know, if, if, if it feels of the light, then it is, if it feels of Mm -hmm. the dark, then it very likely is. And it, it comes down to a matter of intent. And in this, in this situation, you, it helped relieve your guilt, your not guilt, your greed, uh, even guilt and greed where did that come from whoa Freudian (laughs) no it's okay I knew I knew what you were trying to say but I did feel guilty it's funny you say that because I wasn't we had gotten to a place in our our mother-daughter relationship where she wasn't ready for me to fly the nest and I was ready to fly the nest so Mm -hmm. we got I had a boyfriend and she was at home by herself all the time and she would beg me to come spend the night and I'd be like no I'm like living my own grown life and I don't mm." right and so that was Mm -hmm. like a little bit right before she passed away and she she kept begging me please spend the night with me please spend the night with me I just want to watch movies and I just want to and I never did and then she died and I did feel guilty because I was kind of hateful towards the end like mom you gotta let me go and like I'm trying to you know live my own life and 
it it was I did feel guilty about a lot of stuff, but it's like I said, I kind of like felt like a release when I was saying like my goodbyes to her. And a lot of people, unfortunately, don't get to have that moment. It true, very true. And so and, it's a blessing, really. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, blessings. Um, because we learned so much about ourselves through grief, and mm-hmm. it's, and in some of the things that we learn, we can only learn through grief. Um you know, sometimes, you know, I sort of have a theory that that is one of the reasons that we actually do die is to teach, to teach, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing more profound than losing someone that you love. And there's no greater mirror, you know, like you are insightful enough to embrace your, you know, guilt, and also forgive yourself for it, you know, um, maybe sometime if you're open to it, um, perhaps that I could, do a reading with you and maybe record it and then decide later if you're going to release it, but I'll um, release it a hundred percent. I'll do it. I am <laughs> oh. so open. I would be a thousand percent because it's like I said, if, if there is a ghost on the other side or a spirit or however you'd like to refer to it, that is like, she will talk your ear off with me. <laughs> she is ready to talk. Like she, she's into this stuff. You know She's probably yeah. like, I can't believe after this whole time I spent with her in her life, she hasn't tried to contact me. <laughs> She's pissed off. Like, come maybe on, the, Julie. <laughs> maybe the time wasn't right. Uh, so, so let's do this. Let's plan that. Um, and so there's two things. One, um, you know, like the, the Long Island medium, that's who you referenced before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel I, I, I need permission from the person, the, the sitter before I even attempt to sort of reach that zone. So I don't necessarily go around and do that or do you want a reading or, but you know, I just know that you're open to it, but at the same time, I think it's such a, it's such a sacred and personal thing. So, you know, uh, with your permission, we could do that sometime. And then if we're going to try and reach your mom, don't tell me anything else about her because, okay. uh, these things that I know and, and based on kind of how you are, I, I, you know, like I I can (laughs) only imagine, she sounds like someone that I'd like very much, you know, you would Uh, love her. (laughs) If you do tell me something and that same kind of thing comes up, then it's not really a validation for you, for me to reiterate something, you know, I already know. So the key is for me, for her to be able to bring through um, things that are validations for you personally that, you know, I don't know you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we could, we could for sure set that up sometime. And then, um, I would love that. And well, okay. so after our episode today, we can get together and I won't say any mom's the word, nothing else about mom and for the rest of the episode, okay. but I do talk about her constantly. So sometimes it's like every single, the other day I literally said to my husband, I was like, I talk about my mom every single day. Like it's yeah. crazy. She will come up in a conversation every single day. And I'm just, I'm so happy though, because I love her. What I would say is uh, you, you're keeping her alive, not, not just in the figurative way, but in the literal way she's living, she's helping live through you. You're keeping her, not just her memory alive, her person. So she's, Mm -hmm. I would say she's probably very much around you. And what I have learned is, you know, on that side where they're at, they experience in, you know, sort of all dimensions. They, they can be here. They can be there. There's no physical limits and mental or spiritual limits. They can, you know, they, they're experiencing um, 
the uh you know the universe and the all there is from a diff- from an unexplainable in the english language place we don't have mm-hmm. words for it so and um it, it it's a it's a very profound place and where they that what their goal is at their singular goal is love so if it's if it'll bring healing if it'll bring grace if it'll bring faith if it'll bring forgiveness then they'll come through if it's their occasionally they'll come through and tell you where your keys are, where your lost keys are. It it does happen, you know, Uh, but they also are very aware that if they were to come through and fix your problems, they're robbing you of the lesson. So that's, you know, why doesn't my, you know, uncle come through with the lotto numbers, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's because we're here to do something very profound. You know, we've, we've got a, we've got a life contract and things in it that we need to fulfill. And, um, they know this, but they also, uh, want the greater good for humanity. Um, so if they can, if they can help you heal, if they can help relieve grief, if they can help you get to the best you, you can possibly be, so you can contribute here, then that's what they're about, you know, contribute in all of our various ways that we contribute, uh, uh, to the light, you know, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people are want to know, am I going to meet a man? <laughs> you know, or, oh, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, well, I'm pretty sure my, well, I won't say, I'll just say this last thing. I'm pretty sure my mom set me up with my husband. Oh, <laughs> so we do that kind of thing. I really, I'm do. pretty sure they because I met him like three weeks after she died. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. I was going through a terrible time. Like nobody would have wanted to date me. I was a hot mess express. Like I was in just <laughs> ruins and he was like, it don't bother me. He was like, oh. you're really, you're still really cool. I still like your person. He was like, you're going to get through it. And I was like, <laughs> like <laughs> that's a keeper right there. Oh yeah. No, he's great. But so not, not, um, my mom, but someone else in my life kind of had, um, like a sudden death, but it was, it was like, they struggled a lot at the end. And it kind of was like, they were, um, fighting to hold on, you know? And so do you find that once they've crossed over, they don't remember that they don't remember the pain or like the struggling or like, trying to like get air like it was it's traumatic for us because we're still on this earth plane and we still have those memories and we still have those like we will visualize it and be like oh my god it's like it's traumatizing to think about but after they've crossed over they don't remember or feel or it's so it's been my experience that they're not attached to it you know that and they understand something that we don't. And that is every death uh, teaches somebody something. So if it's uh, the the person that may be going through the suffering, um, they may need that for a part of their learning journey to take away from this experience. The people watching the suffering, they may need to learn what it is they need to learn from that. Oftentimes it's compassion, patience, and um, empathy. Um, And so for instance, my dad died um, 12 years ago and he had a stroke. And then after the stroke, he just continued to decline. And and he was an amazing man. He was a great athlete, handsome, 
funniest guy at the party, just one of those people, you know, yeah. see him like that was terrible for me. It was brutal. And, um, one of the things that I ended up learning because it was, you know, uh, as we do when someone dies, especially a parent, um, and you know, this might sound, um, somewhat insensitive, but when someone dies or is in the hospital, has a stroke, the, the surrounding family or the people surviving have a tendency to make it about themselves. Oh my God, my dad had a stroke and no, Oh my God, he's going to die. And um, somewhere in the middle of that, you know, sort of selfish tantrum about, you know, me losing my daddy and all of that stuff. I had this epiphany where I went, why am I making this about me? Like, this is about him. This is about Mm -hmm. him ending his journey here. And, and, you know, it was, it it was a self-learned lesson and not everybody does. Some people might dive into a bottle or they might, you know, continue to be the victim or, you know, get attention for it or whatever people, human beings do. We Mm -hmm. all do, we all do stuff like that. And it's unconscious or subconscious or whatever. Um, But I was given the gift of understanding that it was really now my job to guide him through this last, um, days of his life. And so, um, you know, just a funny sidebar, nothing mediumistic or paranormal about this, but, um, you know, he was 86. (laughs) Um, he had a good run and, um, he had told me, I I never want to be in one of those nursing facilities. So don't ever let that happen. Do whatever you got to do to not let that happen when he was younger. And, um, and sure enough, because of the stroke and the way the medical industry takes over and the, the white coats and the, you know, the, the clipboards and everything, he was in a nursing facility and I came in and I saw him in a bank of old men who were all drooling on themselves. Mm. And I went, not on my fucking watch. And so I told my (laughs) sister, I go, you run interference. I'm getting daddy out of here. And we were like thumb on Louise. I got his wheelchair and I took him out to my car and his butt flying in the wind in his thing. And, and I, I drove away from there, you know? And so there was that, you know, like I know on some level he knew, that I was honoring his wishes. And that was, I mean, I learned a lot from that, you know, like all the way around, it had to be a stroke. It had to be like that. Cause there was humor. There was me standing up to the medical system that was, you know, like mm-hmm. billing me for everything and, and um, trying to give me the runaround. And I knew he was dying. He knew he was dying. And if he had had a peaceful death and just went to, you know, went, went you know, had a stroke and died in his sleep or something, it was terrible to go through, but I learned all that. And he did that for me. And I did that for him. I guided him through the end. I was like, you're not going to die. Like you're not dying in this miserable place. You're dying mm-hmm. where you're comfortable. And that's exactly how it went. And one, you know, one thing that did happen that was seemingly you could call in the paranormal realm is um, the night before I called in a hospice and he was in his place and, and in his bed and he sat up in his bed and I was knee to knee with him. I was sitting on this, like heating, this heating grate. And, um, and he looked, but he looked at me in the face, you know, and he was, he had some tremors and stuff, but he looked me in the eye. I knew he was aware of who I was and all of that. And then he looked over next to me, like someone was sitting next to me and he got the biggest smile on his face and started shaking his head, you know, nodding his head. Mm-hmm. And like he was talking to 
who I felt was his mother. You know, I was already having some some mediumistic stuff, not taking it too seriously, but I like felt her there. And um, my sister was at the door and she's like, holy shit, <laughs> you know, like what's, and, um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, after that experience, you know, I, I sort of felt the time he's going to be coming soon and uh, going soon. And um, so I, when he went to bed, I got in bed next to him and I, I spooned him and I told him he could go, like, he doesn't, doesn't need to stay for me. I can handle this, you know? And, and, um, he did, uh, he did die the next day, but that night I had a dream that I was with him and he was healthy and we entered a party and there was all these people and I couldn't necessarily see their faces, but I could see that he was happy at this party, like loud, like a loud party. And, and, um, then I, I they wouldn't let me all the way in, you know? And so I, woke oh, up yeah. I was like, wow, you know, like, I mean, and it wasn't mean, like, no, you're not, <laughs> it, it was just more like, no, it's like, it, he's, he's going all the way on. He's, exactly. he's joining the party and you're just yeah. getting to observe him totally. join the party. Yeah. Or like I walked him to the door. I walked him to right. the party. So, um, like I said, you know, to just reiterate the point before, if you are conscious through the death of your loved one, I think that we can be a, uh, you know, we can be a guide on this side for them. If we don't mm-hmm. get too hung up in our own shit about what our loss is going to be, because believe me, it was a huge loss. Losing that man was brutal. Losing, you know, my mother, just like you said, I was ruined for both of them, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, just talking about my dad's death, I might as well, you know, tell you the other interesting thing that happened since we're talking about him. Um, it, it was about, um, well, previous to his death, previous to the stroke, we were working on some money stuff for him. He was a vet, World War II vet. And um, he was trying to move some money around because he was in a, a um, in this really nice assisted care facility. It was like a, God, it was like a resort, you know? And mm-hmm. so the veterans administration said, why don't you just write your daughter a check? And then, you know, we, I can get you approved to get some VA funds for this. Right. So, um, and it, it was about an hour away from where I live and about a half an hour where this place was. And, um, and he ran out of checks and uh, cause he was going to write me, you know, mm-hmm. you know, to, to essentially drain his account sort of. And, um, and he was out of checks and, and I go, you know, well, daddy, let's do it next week. You know, we'll just meet here again and we'll ha- come have lunch and we'll just do it next week. He goes, it has to be today has to be today. And it was not like him to be like, he was really good with his money. And it was very strange of him to be writing me a ginormous check in the first place, you know, and he yeah. like, well, it has to be today. And then I forgot that I had a checkbook, a joint check, a checking account with him. And I had it in my car. And so we, he ended up writing the checks and um, he had the stroke about two hours later. So, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, and when I got the call and he was in, he, he couldn't communicate and all of that stuff. And I flew right back up there. I got turned around, got right back in my car and then spent weeks there. But, um, but after, after he passed, so, um, I was in, you know, deep grief as you do, you know, um, like I said, he was 86, but it doesn't matter when you lose your daddy, like it doesn't matter. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. never enough time. And so, um, we, I, he was an excellent golfer. He was like a scratch golfer. And I played a lot with him when in college and, um, you know, when I was younger and uh, when, 
you know, when I would go to his house, they lived in Palm Springs. And um, when it was time to go play golf, he would come wake me up by, you know, coming into the room and grabbing my foot, like wiggling my foot, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. pinching the end of my foot to wake me up. And um, sure enough, uh, I was either somewhere within days after he died, I woke up to that, him, him. Oh, that had to be like total confirmation for you though. It was, it was, but the night before, because my mom was so good about bringing through signs, like dozens of them that were undeniable. And I wasn't really necessarily getting much from him, you know, or didn't, I thought I would be onslaughted because we were so tight. And, um, but then the night before I said, please, anything, just bring me any sign. I'll take it. I'm desperate here. Like, don't leave me hanging, dude. You know? Yeah. And, um, and so then I woke up to that the foot grab and, and, you know, I was shocked. I expected him to be standing there. And so I got up and uh, my husband was already up and, and I like sort of had overslept and, and I walk, walk by my husband, good morning, something right then the phone rang. Right. And so he picks up the phone and it was someone looking for me and they asked for my maiden name and which he knew of course. And he goes, someone's asking for your maiden name, you know, and this is right in the morning. I just woke up, no coffee at nothing. And he <laughs> hands me the phone and it's this uh, woman and asked me, you know, says, are you, you know, my maiden name? And I said, yeah. And she goes, she goes, well, your, your father, you know, like his name and your, his, his daughter, correct. And, and I said, yeah, you know, and I'm already thinking the foot pinch. I'm like, whoa, I like, that would have been enough coincidence as it was. And I go, yeah. And she goes, well, you don't know me, but I worked with your father and I saw him in the, in the company newsletter that he'd passed. And I thought I remembered that I had seen some unclaimed funds, um, from his, uh, life insurance for, for a little company life insurance policy that he had. And so, so I was like, no way. And she goes, so I've got, I want to say it was like 2,500 bucks. And I was like 2,500 bucks meant a, a great deal to me at that yeah, time. Yeah. And, and so, uh, and that was his style. Money was his style, like math, money, finances, like it had a hit, uh, it has hit his calling call card on it. hundred mm-hmm. percent. She goes, well, where can I send the check? And so it's like, <laughs> it's like, hang on, I'm on my way. I'll pick it up. <laughs> yeah, I'll pick it up. So it was like, and it felt obviously extremely significant because of the toe pinch at the, the inquiry, you know, like bring me mm-hmm. a sign. And then also the style, like it was just a style. Oh like, yeah. Wouldn't have necessarily been my mom's style. You know, my mom's style would be to have a hummingbird follow me around all day, you know, mm-hmm. like, but his style was like money's where it's at, babe. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you had to be like totally blissed out though, knowing that he's yeah. yeah. And, and my ex-husband was a bit of a normie, you know? And so, but even he was like, <laughs> okay you know yeah like, yeah yeah your style you know so mm-hmm. yeah anyway so that's how, you know- how how it worked well it's also one of the things that was like drew drew me closer to mediumship because I was like mm-hmm. you know that's the, what uh, I was gonna ask you yeah. it's like all that happening and like seeing it for yourself kind of it's like it changes you into like all right if I can see this and I can feel this I could probably do it for other people. Cause I, I kind of know where the channel is and I just got to tune into that channel. Good way to put it. Good way to put it. So I do think that we all 
have these abilities. I just don't think everyone is interested in using them or necessarily being in service to others. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. I um, agree hundred percent on that, you know, which is fine. Like there's a, everybody's got their role, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like the bees in a hive, they all, everyone has their way to contribute, you know? And when I firmly believe if you find that way to contribute and you are in service in whatever little way, it might even just be, you know, something very small that takes five minutes a day with your contribution, the universe repays Mm -hmm. you tenfold, you know? So that happens to be like one of the ways that I feel like has helped people um, heal from stuff, you know? So um, in a, in a, in like a profound way too, because I don't know if, so it's like, if I woke up tomorrow and like I saw my mom like just an out of the like corner of my eye or something just like but I wouldn't be scared you know what I mean but if I had that I I I don't know I that I'd just crawl up in the fetus position and cry all day like you know it really like hits you somewhere deep inside your soul when mm-hmm. you when you know that person that you loved so much is still around you and right. knows what's going on with you like it just makes you feel like, okay, I'll be okay because they're okay. And they know I'm okay. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And that just knowing that they're existing still is oftentimes enough for many people to go, okay, I just can't see them, but I know they're okay. And where it's that unknown is especially for people who align themselves with say an atheist or something, but this is all there is. And then it all goes black. And then, and then there's this deep question of, you know, where is that loved one? And some people, you know, I'm not sure that that's necessarily good for the psyche to be, I don't think so stuff things, you know, where, you know, I know that there's people that out there probably not listening to your show, but in general, um, that might say, oh, you know, she's a witch or she's dabbling with something that she, you know, you open a door, you can't close and all those kind of things. It doesn't really work that way. Like it can work that way. If you're looking for that, if you're calling upon, you know, uh, dark forces and things like that, that's not what this is. It's completely different. So, um, so let's say, you know, they, they know because they're in such a high vibration place um, that they know what would scare us and they don't want to scare us. So, so that's real. if your mother came and she wanted to make her physical presence known, it would more very likely be a feeling that you would get. Mm-hmm. It would like a, your vibration would raise and you would feel great love. And that's why the after death, death communications work so well as you see a butterfly and you think of your mother and you feel like, Oh my God, like I actually kind of feel her with me. And so that's how it works because they don't want to scare you. They don't want to hurt you. They don't, they don't want you afraid. They don't want you, um, you know, they, they want you to heal and they want you and they, they want you to learn to do things that you raise your own vibration and they, they become part of your ancestor, uh, tribe, your team you know, they've got a lot of what I believe and a lot of mediums believe and people that have had after death communication and, and, you know, um, psychedelic travelers that go into the realms of, you know, after death and stuff um, is, you know, they, they uh, believe that they, on the other side, have such a a vast capacity for um, uh, expanding their energies that they can do these things. They can help 
the material realm from there in a multitude of ways. And this is just one of them, you know? So um, with that said too, I think I'm now in the process of learning how to sort of differentiate between the vibrations, because I, I think your grandmother can come through as a guide and, and come through as a vibration like that. I think we've got free will here. We've got free will there, you know? So I was reading for someone um, that their grandmother came through um, as more of like a native American shaman. And, you know, I, I didn't understand. I was a little confused. And he essentially said, oh, she would do that. She was very connected to that culture. And so if, if you can, and you want to, why wouldn't you, as long as mm-hmm. the message is um, clean, you know, is bringing through, uh, you know, the, you know, the biggies, forgiveness and grace and, you know, uh, healing and, and unconditional love. They're really, they're really into that, you know, they're really into the Jesus message. I mean, not to like denominate it or anything but if we no yeah the christ light you know really christ consciousness light or Mm -hmm. you know we could call it there's i think it's got a lot of names depending on what like corner of the earth you live on um Mm -hmm. but it's essentially the same thing it's the unconditional love um energy and so um and if you you know if there's anybody out there that's like, you know, i'm gonna ask my grandma for a message maybe she'll come through for me or i'm gonna see if i can get a dream the key is the unconditional love. So if you can generate in your heart, that feeling of love, you know, just like, uh, just like calling upon a Patronus, you know, bring, Mm -hmm. bring into your heart, the like most loving energy you can with that intent, that's, it makes it easy for them to come through because you're raising your vibration to theirs. That's how they live all the time. That's where they're, that's that realm, you know? So, um, and that, you know, so, as opposed That's to so that. beautiful. I mean, even yeah. just hearing you say that, just I, how could you not hear that and just feel peaceful? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. how could you not hear that and be like, wherever my mom is, she's experiencing unconditional love and vibrating at like unconditional love constantly. Right. Like, that's beautiful. And so if you're her, right. And you're there and you all of a sudden look over in the direction of your daughter and she starts to vibrate, you're going to go there. Mm. You're going to go because uh, you connect with that. You know, right? that's the best explanation I've ever heard. <sighs> anyone. I'm serious, Whitney. That is the best explanation I've ever heard. Because oh. a lot of people say, you know, oh, well, I, I, I have to meditate on it. And then I have to, you know, kind of connect with the, the sitter, for example. And then I kind of, you know, will start picking up things. And it's like, but where does it come from? You know, like, how do you get there from here? you know? And they're like, Oh, well, it's a gift. Well, that doesn't make it like, that doesn't make sense to me. It's a gift. Like I want the gift. Somebody give me a gift. Yes. So I think you have, I think we all have the gift. I do think that some people, uh, you know, just like anything, you know, like we've all met somebody that, you know, could, could hit a home run when they were seven. Right. You know, right. right. Other people Mm -hmm. that worked hard at it and finally could, when they were a senior, you know, or something, Mm -hmm. you know, like just to compare, make a baseball comparison, you know, um, some people are are naturals at things that doesn't necessarily mean that one's better than the other, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because medium is learning as well. You know, the, the, uh, you know, or each of us. So, 
that's why I kind of think there's no, like, I'm also an artist. That's how I've made a living for 25 years. And people be like, oh, you must've been born with this talent. I'm like, no, bitch, I work my ass off to be able to do this. You know, <laughs> there like, you go. I, you know, there you go. So, yeah. And, and, but that also has made, I think made me a, um, and it's the same with mediumship. I've worked at this. I've worked at mm-hmm. it, you know? So, uh, I'm so proud of you, girl. You're just like a Jack of all trades. You got a little <laughs> bit of everything going on. Yeah. Well, that, I've been on the planet awesome. for several decades, you know, like I got a little, <laughs> I got a little time on you, you know, but, um, you know, so, but we're interested in the same thing, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I think it's all sort of a, uh, it's all open to all of us. You want to see a UFO? Go fucking request it. You know, do request, yeah, just request it. You know, like it, but I also think that too is a high vibration thing as well. And if you're going with the wrong intention, if you've got a dark heart and you're doing it for control or money or you know, sell to scare yourself. somebody or like yes, yeah, even that or have any sort of control over someone else's sovereignty is essentially Mm -hmm. dark, you know? So, you know, I'll tell you that story if you want. I do have a UFO encounter. Um, You maybe have heard it someplace before. I've told it a couple of times, but with that, I do think that uh, our culture kind of implants a um, uh, a negative stigma attached to that. I personally believe they've always been here. And if they were going to eat us, they'd have done that by now, you know, oh, probably. So. Yeah. Like an invasion of the body snatchers. If that's what they wanted to do, we'd all be Jeff Goldblum. Ah! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I'm with you though. I, I think, I think it's, it's ancient. Ancient. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, what is time? Maybe all time is concurrent you know, we can call it like, you know, um, if, if time is an illusion, then it's, you know, we're ancient and we're just experiencing this moment as it unfolds, which has already possibly happened. I mean, some real stoner talk, but you know, I, you know, what's funny is, so when you were telling the story about getting your dad out of the nursing home, I had bad deja vu, but I just didn't say anything. I was like, I've seen this computer on this desk, which I just bought a couple weeks ago, looking at your face, telling that story. And it just, you know, when you're like, God damn, I've seen this before. And I was like, okay, but I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to creep her out. No, no, it's like, it's crazy. Because I've been experiencing a lot of those myself, especially with some of the podcasters. Like oh, and really? deja vu's in, in a long term, not that we're as noticeable and prevalent, you know? So I'm glad you said something mm-hmm. I, no, I yeah. that there's some sort of, um, fate situation mm-hmm. that's going on, you know, like people are entering, you know, this, this sort of truth podcast community, they're stepping into their power, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm really impressed with a lot of them, you know, most, you know, most everybody I like that takes it takes some huevos, you know, to mm-hmm. like you girl, put yourself out there and be like, I'm going to talk and well, I'm going to see who <laughs> listens. And, you know? No, I, and it's, that's the thing too, is like, even if I have one subscriber, I'm going to go so hard for that one subscriber. I'm just going to just lay it out on the line. But it is funny though. It's like, and I know you said you, did you see a UFO? Yes. Had an encounter. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, because I was going to say, in my entire life of loving all things conspiracy and paranormal, I think I might have seen a UFO one time, but it was actually a blimp. But we'll just say it was the UFO. <laughs> I've always wanted to have like that triangle in the sky moment or something. And you know what I mean? Oh, you saw a triangle. Okay. Tell me about that. Okay. It's funny. I think you're psychic, dude. I think like. <laughs> <laughs> I might be just suppressing it. Like, yeah. No, yeah. No, no. You know what I was going to say? Just, just uh, sort of to back up a second, as I meant to say in there that um, I, I feel that you possibly might be an empath and your physical, you know, the thing that we talked about, the physical thing that's going on, uh, you know, just a little um, mm-hmm. thing that you mentioned before. And then the bloody nose with, you know, with your mom, um, I have heard before of empaths that uh, will manifest physical um, things because of their empathy. So, uh, you know, if I find, I'll, I'll look around for it, but maybe look up on it because um empaths you know they they can have a hard time they absorb a lot of people's energies and then if you're manifesting things it's a way of your body to process it so maybe uh do a little research on grounding and reprocessing some of that so that you don't if that is true whitney that would explain a lot (laughs) because i'll tell you i hate parties because I feel like everyone's drawn to me and I have to entertain everyone and I know exactly what each person will like so I feel like I I have to like oh well I'll you know make them laugh or I'll do this or I'll do and by the time I get home I'm like totally drained like I feel like a like a shriveled up corpse you probably need need some quiet time to yourself after right Mm mm-hmm Yeah. Yeah. So that is so crazy that you said that, because I mean, I've always kind of felt like that, like, ah, dang, like they, you ever have a friend that just loves you to death and wants to be with you all the time. And they just think y'all are the best friends ever. But it's like, every time I talk to you, I just feel like that my soul's been sucked out of my body. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, I I just want to make them happy and smile. And I know what conversations they like. So I, kind of you know play on that and I'll be their best friend but in the back of my mind I'm like gosh I get so tired every time I have to be yeah. around you yeah interesting like uh, especially for empaths boundaries are very important you know especially because I feel like you are taking on this pursuit and you I, I'm sure you have other pursuits in your personal life and if you are expending all of your energy on uh, that then then it's drawing you off your path and I, I think that this community of podcasters in particular, I think there's a lot of empaths among you. And I think that's why you are a good interviewer is because you can tune in to the person that you're talking with and draw out interesting things, you know, and go down, um, you know, like you've done, go down a certain hole because you're feeling it, you know, like, let's go in this mm-hmm. What's it about the UFO, you know, uh, Ooh, that makes so much sense. I love you. I just <laughs> love you. I love everything about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love you back. I love this interview. Thank you. Yeah. This so- is probably one of my favorite ones that I've done. I I'm, I'm going to just be honest with you because this is my wheelhouse paranormal media. Well, I'm not a medium per se, but I I'm so interested in it. Yeah. I just want to pick your brain. And I think that's all that it takes. And I think the other side is conspiring to meet with us. 
to get through, you know, and Mm -hmm. I mean, what we're inspired, right? Like in spirit, we're inspired by things that we like, you know, and so it might just be the angels are whispering, you know, like, yeah, because other people will appreciate it or other people will learn and other people will not feel alone or all of the other things that podcast listeners or audiences do when they connect with, you know, a host or a guest or all those things, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's world changing, especially in, you know, fake news land where everybody's full of shit, you know? (laughs) Oh Lord. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's hard to decipher too, because you know, you'll, you'll have loved ones who kind of rely on the bullshit media stuff and, or they've heard something and then you're like, I would look into that. You know what I mean? But if you kind of search it out, and you're like, well, I, I, I heard Ryan one time on a podcast, so let me listen to some of his episodes. Then you go over to it and you listen to Ghost's podcast. And then, oh, well, I like his podcast. And then you find like Nico and like Davey and all. And you're like, dang, there's a whole community of people out here that are just like slinging truth. This is awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, the truth slingers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So necessary. Like their time has come, you know? No, yeah, definitely 100%. But you saw a UFO. I don't want to get yeah. you off topic. You saw yeah. UFO. Yes. Okay. So uh, I believe it was around 1990 or so. And I was already ha- had been reading every possible book on any paranormal topic since I was 11. It's around when I started just, you know, the seeking because I'd already had paranormal experiences. So I was, you know, seeking to uh, justify my sanity, you know, in a world that said these things were crazy. Right. Um, so I had read, you know, several stuff on UFOs and after death communication and all of this Seth speak books and all the Edward Casey books. And so I'd already done a fairly deep dive, I think on lots of stuff. And, um, anyway, I was, on, I used to do a lot of water skiing in that time, you know, for a solid, you know, maybe five, six years. It was every summer was a lot of water skiing. Um, and this one water skiing trip, um, there was a bunch of people that was probably maybe 25 to 30 people, couple motorhomes, couple boats, the whole shebang. And, um, this, uh, we had a big day of skiing. And then the next day was, um, most everybody was hungover. So there wasn't a lot of drinking or anything like that but there was a good deal amount of skiing and, and that was what the, how the day ended. Everyone was knackered and was just, you know, in their motorhomes, in their tents, except for me and two other guys. And, um, and it wasn't late. It was like, everybody was asleep by like nine. And so we were having some hot chocolate and, um, and the fire, you know, just watching the rest of the fire. And, um, and we started talking about, you know, the sky and things and, and um, somebody brought up UFOs or something. And I had mentioned that I had recently read a book and I think it was, I've, I've looked for it since, but I think it was a Bud Hopkins book. I think it was something Bud Hopkins had written early and um, in it, he had mentioned that you could request a flyby. Um, you know, you go out and, and look up at the sky and say, I want to have, I want to see something, you know? And, um, and I barely, I didn't have the sentence out completely. And, and um, well, I'll just name them. So there's Dave and there's Damon and Dave is um, more of a, like a 
less deep thinker, you know, more like sort of just a mainstream guy, mainstream Damon, a deeper thinker. Right. And so Dave hops up and he's like, what's that? And he's pointing at the horizon and Damon and I are thinking, well, he's just fucking with us, you know, cause <laughs> we just said, you know, like he's just, you know, we're like, you know, sit down, dude, shut up, you know, but then, you know, we looked over and on the horizon was this, like, what looked like a little pinwheel, but because of the, it, it, it did not look like something that, you know, w- was quite right in physics because it, it looked massive, but it was far away. It was like this sort of optical illusion kind of. So like already, you know, I remember thinking like, oh, that's weird. What is that? And where did it come from? And then immediately it was not on the horizon anymore. It was over our head. And so, uh, so I've described it before. It, it's a, it was a perfectly matte black triangle. And if you were to like hold, hold your arms up over your head like this about the length of a French roll, like a baguette, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe close to a yard or 25 inches or something. That's how big it was. And it was like, so it covered like, like half the sky and it was right over our head. So, and then on each corner, it had a light a white light. It didn't have a light in the middle. Someone's asked me before, did it have a light in the middle? Cause I know that some of the pictures, there's a light in the middle. This one didn't, it just on each corner. And then the way the lights were shining was like, like Christmas tree lights will chase each other. They weren't all on the same time. It was like one. And then the next one and the next one, I go back to the first one okay. like that, or like going in a, in a circle, essentially showing very clearly that it was a triangle, even though we could see it because we couldn't see it was blocking out all the stars behind it and it was completely silent. And oh, I was just going to ask you if you heard anything, nothing, not a cricket, nothing. It was like, were you close well, to water at the time? Yeah. We we're close to a lake. Could um, you hear like the waves coming in on the beach and like, I don't, I don't think we could hear anything. I don't think. So it, it kind of was like so silent. Like everything was silent everything was silent, which, makes me, you know, in later years, cause I've obviously had a lot of years to think about this and read about these things and stuff. Um, uh, on some level, I think that maybe we were not necessarily in the same physical dimension, even though I was standing on the ground and I was looking up at the sky and we're, lo- we're all three looking at this, witnessing this thing. Um, at, at one of the points, I finally said, I, I can't believe what I'm, I can't believe my eyes. And, and Damon said, believe your eyes, we're seeing this. And when he said that, that brought me, I can't speak for them, but it brought me to a little bit more of consciousness because it was almost like I was a little bit out of my consciousness, I guess. Mm-hmm. So what, what, the, what the craft did, what the thing did was it was facing us slightly at an angle. So when I say it was right over our heads, it was, but it was kind of tilted a little bit. Like it was facing us, like it was showing us its belly. And Mm -hmm. I believe it was close enough. If I picked up a rock, I feel like I could have heaved it hard enough, you know, like, so that's how close it was. It was really close and completely silent. Um, And so what it did was, was facing us with its belly towards us. And then it turned on an angle so that we could see how thick it was and 
what the light, what the chasing lights did then just looked like lights going up and down because we couldn't see the third light. So it was like, and so the feeling I got then was it, it was almost playful. Like I wasn't afraid. And it was like, look what I could do kind of attitude it was like showing mm-hmm. up like look at you know um and then it and then it turned back and then it was over us again and it was around you know facing us again and it was around then that dave took off he came to like whatever his senses or something and he took off and started banging on the motorhomes trying to get other people awake and so it was as if like that action started to bring me a little bit more and a little bit more into the material realm and stuff and i noticed what he was doing but I thought to myself, they're not going to get up. <laughs> they're not like, almost like they can't hear you, you know? Um, yeah. So, and they didn't, nobody stirred. Like you would think somebody, 25 people at this thing, somebody would have heard him cause he's yelling and the whole thing. And, and he came back just, you know, disgruntled essentially like pissed that no one, you know, not a single time during this whole thing that I think to get a camera did I think, did I feel any fear? I felt nothing but just awe. Well, you're awestruck. Awestruck, totally awestruck. And also tiny bit in the back of my mind thinking, what am I going to think of this later? Like, what is actually going on? You know? So then um, I couldn't tell you how much time went by. I like, could have been, it could have been 20 minutes. It could have been eight hours. You know, I have no no idea. And neither did they when we talked about it later. So anyway, uh, then at a certain point, it just took off. And so, and by take off, I mean, it like blinked out and blinked on again at the horizon. So it's not like we saw it speed away. You know, it just was like, but I knew that that thing that was on the horizon was the thing that was here. And so for sure, I've thought if there was any inhabitants in that, you know, with our sort of physics, there's no way that they survived that, like whatever that was. And so, uh, and I, I sort of was giving some of that thought as I was going, getting in my tent, you know, but not like hardcore sort of just like, yeah, you know, like I was just kind of musing about it, but I was very content. I was very happy. I was not afraid. I was like, Oh, I'm going to sleep good. You know? (laughs) And I laid in my tent for a while, just going, wow. You know, like, that's my life just changed. No, I'll never see anything the same again, you know, and you can't how could because you, you have to acknowledge the experience. Right. 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 And I, you know, I feel the other two were not necessarily paranormal seekers. So in some way I feel like wh- whatever my intent was in the past sort of maybe drew it there. Mm-hmm. However, since then I've had lots of other experiences that I feel like has shown me that there is a, um, there is something about time that like we're in the matrix. And when you step out of the matrix, time is not what we think it is. That's what I feel like I've seen in many psychedelic um, journeys and also other dreams and lucid dreams and things like that. And involving, you know, uh, these um, people, (laughs) whoever they Mm -hmm. are, what Mm -hmm. who they are, Um, and I've had a lifetime of questioning why that happened, and I I feel like the older I get, I'm understanding why that happened to teach me, you know, and to to help bring 
some of this, um, I don't know, what should we call it? You know, like new science, you know, like, so well, or it's ancient science well, being ancient brought science. back. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Depending on how you want to, you, what verbiage or what, mm-hmm. you know, like what kind of, cause language is important too. Like, even, oh yeah. Even language itself, it takes time to say it, you know, the beginning of the word, mm-hmm. the middle of the word, the end of the word, you know, at first there was the word, right? So, yes. time, you know, so, so in any case, um, went to sleep, slept like a rock and woke up, uh, late. And so water skiing, it's like the good waters at sunrise. Right. And so miss the good water <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. and also miss breakfast. And so got out of my tent. They're just getting up as well. Got eye contact with them, had zero desire to talk about it, had zero desire to tell anybody about it. Nothing. I was just like, hmm, pancakes, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> and neither did they, they just nothing. And so, but we did end up, it was at least six months later that but even though we were friends, we saw each other a lot. N- none of us had the desire for about six months. And then when we did have the desire, we really, really talked about it, had the same experience. Um, we just had different takeaways from it. You know, Dave became very uh, afraid. He got, you know, he kind of went down a very terrible path with drugs and then he became a born again Christian. He, he, Christian, he thinks it's all demonic and all this stuff. We can't relate on any level on the topic, you know? Um, and then um, with Damon, we lost contact. I, I would tend to think that if I contacted him again, we would probably have similar thinking on it. Um, other than I'm betting that he doesn't really tell the story too much. Cause you know, uh, you, you got to read the room, <laughs> make sure you're with the right mm-hmm. company before mm-hmm. you start telling oh, these hell yeah. mm-hmm. stories. And so, um, uh, so afterward at like after that, then, you know, I had lived a life of, uh, used to have a lot of terrible night terrors. Um, and, uh, I, I learned to navigate those fairly well. I feel like, I actually feel like most people that have night terrors or sleep paralysis are doing some heavy lifting of some battle of light and dark in the, in the shamanic realms, you know? Um, and I think a lot of people would agree, you know, when you, you go to the mainstream media and figure out why was I awake, but I couldn't move, I couldn't open my eyes, you know, you're going to see sleep paralysis and, oh, it's scientific and it's your body, blah, blah, blah. I think most people know it's more than that. You know, there's something. It's way more on. than that. It has to be. But with that being said, like if we're, if we're going to play devil's advocate and we're going to look at things through Dave's eyes, okay, (laughs) there you go. Um, have you ever accidentally, like somebody's trying to contact someone, you're, they're the sitter, you're trying to contact someone for them. It's their great grandma or what, what have you. And, and they, they end up being not such a great spirit to encounter. You know, um, I, I have had experience with dark spirits, but with the mediumship, it's, I simply don't allow it. It's just, a, it's a no go. You know, I set an intention. There's absolutely nothing dark. And be, however, what I did learn from the dark spirits that I did encounter when I was younger and uh, through some other experiences, not even that long ago, I learned to recognize dark things for what they are. And I absolutely just do not have space for it. I just don't allow Mm -hmm. it in my space. So, you know, like I've done some house clearing and I I have somebody that 
I'm going to be doing some house clearing for, and, you know, someone asked, well, aren't you afraid? No, I just don't allow it. It's not, you know, it's sort of like, you know, if if you're going to, are you going to let a homeless person into your car? No, you just lock the doors. You know, you're just, no. Right. Okay. Nothing against homeless people. I mean, like a. No, no. Like you want to be protect, you want to protect yourself. Yeah. And from, from just in case, like you don't know what could happen by interfering with, with like, like you wouldn't contact Ted Bundy spirit. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I do know what you're saying. And also, I, I also would not go around calling every serial killer and saying, I'm not going to contact you, you know? So in other words, if you project a need to protect yourself constantly, you are projecting fear, right? So oh, I said, don't allow the good fear. Point. I just say, no, I'm not. So sure. You can, you can burn a ton of sage. If that's, if that makes you feel more protected then do that. Indeed. It's all about your intention though. If, if you are in a dark situation and you don't have all of your tools, you're like, whatever it is that you, you know, your black tourmaline or whatever, um, it's about your intent. It's about your personal power. And if you say that your personal power is strong, then it is, then you don't need necessarily to protect the space because you are protected. You live a life as protected, if that makes sense. You know? Oh, absolutely. You know, what I was going to say to, to kind of add on to your point is that don't you think most people burn sage in fear. Exactly. Good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you know, I would say some, you know, and, and well, because, because they don't know, they're like, I need to do, I want to do this with that said, you know, uh, with, with, uh, so I have what you might call a shamanic practice, right? I don't have a giant altar. I don't, you know, I do have a few things around a few things that make me feel as though I am in ceremony. Very few. I might smoke a mapacho. I might even say the Lord's prayer. I might, you know, it might not be that I might just say a prayer of gratitude for the things that I have and the protection that I have, or I might do a deep meditation to, to uh, call in one of my spirit animals and everything in between. Right. So, you know, with that, ceremony is you're stating just like magic you are stating to uh you know the the room at large the energy field at large that this is what you're starting to do and you're placing your intent and if it makes the shaman or the magician feel as though they are stronger by you know reciting this prayer or reciting this incantation or something then it makes them feel stronger if you walk in strength yeah. at all times then right not necessary so if you walk in protection you know if you walk in you know walk in the world with strength and that's true in the physical life as well you know well you have to so so this what this is how i would say like i i used to do it now i kind of catch myself but when you're burning sage and you're saying like this house is of the light this house is of the christ only the light may say all else must go but you feel scared mm-hmm. that as you're burning sage somebody just stick their head out of the closet or something then what you're you might be saying this house is of the light this house is of the Christ, but what you're projecting in your state of mind is i'm scared as shit right now that some yeah. like a ghost is gonna pop out you know what i mean so it's yeah. like it's not even so much what you're saying as you're burning the sages like what what you have internally what your feeling is what your state of mind is and what you're like you said your intent what you're projecting out is like my house is protected i'm protected i'm safe i'm calm 
all is good, all is well. I just feel better if I burn a little sage. But if you're doing it in the state of like, oh my God, I got these demons in my house. I got to get out of here. Like that's not going to work. It never works like that. Which is why sometimes burning sage just exacerbates the problem, you know? And, you know, there's there's also more to it because oftentimes the person who is being haunted is projecting this darkness themselves. So there's, you know, there's some of that, that, that goes on and that happens quite a lot. You know, they've got their own electromagnetic energy field that's projecting out and then creating more fear. And, you know, it's, it's complicated. It's almost as if whatever you believe, whatever you uh, can conceive of is possible in terms of the spiritual realm. So if it's a ghost, if it's a friendly ghost, if it's your grandma, if it's your, or if there's a demon, you know, like, or if there's, mm-hmm. there's a portal or, you know, like all mm-hmm. of the various mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Yeah. Any of them can possibly be true, you know, or is it my teenage son is, you know, he's uh, re- sexually repressed and he's projecting this or something, you know? Oh, right. Yeah. Like the poltergeist type of situation. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So the person, the medium, the shaman, the, you know, the person who has a practice of um, dealing with these things. Um, when I said, you know, like walk in power and strength, it, it, it comes from a deep place of knowing and confidence. And that does take time. And sometimes that takes many ceremonies for, mm-hmm. for the person, you know, and sometimes it does take a, a ton of sage, of, you know, like yeah. a gallon of sage to, you know, or, or, <laughs> you know, like Agua Florida, you know, you spit or holy water takes a gallon of holy water uh, for that person to step into their own power. Um, But as you, you know, if you can envision, you know, if anybody is listening and they've got something dark in their house, if you don't believe it, that entity is not going to believe it. That's how, that's how two people can live in the same house and the husband's like, no, I don't ever, I never had any experiences in the house and the wife's like, it was raping me every night. You know, it's like, how can you be in the same bed in the same house? And one of you is totally tortured and the other one's fine. You know, I do know, but I all with that said, because that's a good point, you know, some people are projecting different things into their own reality. Right. But with that said also when I had mentioned that I felt like with that UFO experience that we were somewhat not necessarily um, completely implanted in the same reality as all of our friends sleeping in their motorhome I think that some of that can happen with hauntings as well you know I think that there can be people that are a little bit you know in the in the dreamscape or sometimes even like like I had a my aunt had a poltergeist and that was one of my it was, it was one of my earliest experiences with the paranormal. And what I, one of the things that I learned from George, my aunt's poltergeist was um, one of the times I was in her house and I was filling a bath and I turned around to do whatever with my shampoo or something. And I heard the bath filling up because you do in a bathroom, you kind of have a sense of when it's getting fuller. And then I turned around and it was completely empty. Like, that and and I and I instantly knew that somehow George had done something so I feel in that case that something happens with our laws of physics and maybe that's what Bigfoot does you know I don't know absolutely all of this sort of thing is where if you you're talking to your normie friend and your normie friend can't even comprise of the possibility that somehow our time space continuum is interrupted by certain forces 
then, you know, if they're completely grounded in the material, uh, they're not going to even understand that. But if you've experienced it a time or two, if you've had a, a something where you're like, was that a time slip? Was that a deja vu? Was that a, you know, was that, did I astral travel or, you know, anything, you know, like a lot of your listeners. Are absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Right? And, and I, I think that Bigfoot like portals in. Yeah. Right. So that and would then portals sense. back out. Like they're coming from somewhere else. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, you know, like Mitch Hedberg says, you know, why is he, maybe he's really blurry, you know, <laughs> he's so, just a blob, know. that a hairy blob that appears. Yeah. But, um, so I see the painting oh, behind you is a little baby dog and yeah. it's, uh, I oh my God. It's like, it's a whole rabbit. Yeah, a rabbit. I thought it was a dachshund sitting on there. <laughs> Do you see like the where the leg is? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looked like a little dachshund. But so are you a dog person then? Or just all animals whining at me right now. So No, it's okay. Let him let him let him whine because he needs to get it out of his system. That's how my dog is. (laughs) But so you have several dogs? I have two, two greyhounds. Yeah. That's my dream dog. Here, let me you want it. This is honey. Say hi, honey. It's kind of dark. I don't know if you can see her. No, I see her. She's very majestic. She they both are very majestic. They're beautiful, beautiful dogs. You know. I've always said if I could get any dog on the planet, I'd get a greyhound because I feel like they're so majestic and beautiful. I love how skinny they are and like just the their little long noses and they're just beautiful. And they're actually um, I've heard they're good apartment dogs even because they they're real calm and like collected and they, um, they need a lot of exercise, but even though, you know, my female honey, she, she will still get her, get up to speed and, you know, like in the backyard, she'll, mm-hmm. she'll zip around, she'll do these hair, you know, hairpin turns and she really hauls ass, you know, it's, it's majestic to watch. Um, oh, well, I, I, I love watching them. Love yeah, watching. Crazy. They turn in, they get low and they turn into like this machine, like a, like a, uh, um, what is it? Uh, cheetah, you know? Yeah. They're, yeah. And, and they're, they're so my, muscular, so muscular. And my male broke his foot a couple of years ago. So he, that slowed him down a lot, but he's a beautiful animal. Just, just a gorgeous dog, you know? Um, but uh, they're funny little personalities. Like they don't bark you know, like they, oh, they don't bark at all. My cat will growl when somebody knocks on the door, but the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. They're, yeah. So uh, would you say you identify as a dog? Yeah. What's your spirit animal? Oh, the fox. Yeah. That's right. You're a fox. Well, okay. So the spirit, I'll tell you about the spirit animal stuff and how that kind of came about. So, um, so since I, ever since I was a young child, I had an animal and plant connection, always had a green thumb, always had a thing for animals. Like I never had dolls. I only had stuffed animals. And then I would be drawn to certain animals all through my life. So as a painter, I paint a lot of animals, you know? And, um, but then when I started drinking ayahuasca, which I did a very deep dive for about five years, very regular working with the shaman and lots of ceremonies and stuff. And, um, one, uh, the shaman that I was working very closely with, um, who was a master, like a maestro hundred percent. Um, he asked the group at large, if we wanted to do, uh, to call in some spirit animals. And I was like, oh, I'm your huckleberry. Cause like, I'm the animal lady. Like <laughs> yeah. I totally am down with 
you know, spirit animal stuff. And so he looked at me and he's like, are you sure, you know, you sure about that? And I, and so then I went, I don't know. Am I maybe sure? Not. <laughs> maybe not, you know? And so he said, well, I want, I want you to drink last. And so I did drink last and it was the bottom of the bottle of the medicine and I got a lump. And so, uh, I'd never gotten a lump in the medicine before. And I'd, I'd had many journeys. So I was familiar with how ayahuasca is and kind of what to expect and had many psycho psych, um, psychedelic and deep insights. And, you know, as the medicine does anyway, uh, he took us all out. This was out near Palm Springs and he took us and he put our, uh, all of our chairs. It was about 10 of us put our chairs in a circle with all of us facing out. And then he, I was looking towards the San Bernardino mountains and, um, and I'm starting to feel the effects of it. Oh, he, he played a drum and he uh, it's like, it's not a, like a shamanic beaning drum, but a, a giant djembe. So he had that. And uh, I was starting to feel the effects of the medicine as everybody would at this juncture. And um, he started doing these things with a drum that felt like, he was rubbing fur on it and it felt like he had was rubbing like claws on it. And then he was also doing these like Icaros, this, this like singing where he was, had these like guttural sounds and stuff. So the mm-hmm. intent he placed for the group was to call in a spirit animal. Right. And so, but then also all of these animal sounds. And then as I started to feel the effects of the medicine, you know, I started to, you know, there was some psychedelics sort of happening on the, on the mountainsides, but also, it was also a full moon by the way. And, um, and as I was listening, I started hearing the rhythm of, you know, his work, what he was doing and, um, and waiting, you know, I was essentially just waiting. And, um, so I'm look, I start to see something on the very edge of the horizon on, in the, on the mountaintop. Right. And cause it was like a Valley first and then a mountain and nothing in between. It was really, it was actually desert hot springs, which is a little more remote. Um, Anyway, uh, I start to see something up on the uh, ridge, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to think, is this my two eyes? Is this my third eye? Like, what am I seeing? And then as it starts to grow, starts to get a little bit bigger, I could see that it's white. And I thought, is this an animal? Maybe this is an animal. Like, oh, here we go. Hell yeah. You know, like, and then I can start mm-hmm. to hear my fellow travelers starting to make their various sounds and doing their thing, but I'm locked on this thing coming and it's, it starts to come at me and I can see it's hauling ass. I mean, whatever it is, it's coming from the top of the mountain and it's coming down the valley and it's coming right towards me. And so suddenly there's all of these other animals that are preceding it, like birds and rabbits and all of this stuff in my peripheral and in my general vision. And so then I'm, but I'm watching this white thing and it's coming right at me and I'm hearing like wind and I'm hearing all of these animals. And so I'm in beginning to be in deep vision. However, I'm also also have my two eyes open. So I'm also seeing the general material realm and uh, sure enough, it gets close enough for me to see what it was. And it was this massive white wolf. And I went, Oh, wolf. Like I would have never thought of that. Like, And so the way it looked, I've seen Native American art since, not before, but since when I've looked up uh, 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 wolf totem, white wolf totem, I've seen, um, I want to say Navajo, maybe Navajo art that looked almost exactly what I saw. And so I think that, I think that- Whitney, that's powerful. 
And so a huge boy, white wolf. So what it did was it ran right towards me. It was massive and it jumped right over me. So I watched it and it went like that. And all of the, I could feel the wind from all of the other animals. Cause there was like all the animals with it. It came, it came mm. with a whole, like a whole uh, battalion of other animals and it jumped over my head. And I was like, wow. So, okay, maybe that, that was bitching, you know? Um, but then I saw it run all the way around the valley and then it did, it ran over, it went over my head again. And then I'm, so I'm watching it. And then this time I'm like, oh, it's not leaving. It's, it's coming. And so at the time I was on what's called the dieta. So I was, I was do, drinking this um, Amazonian master plant tea and for three months with a very restricted diet and, um, you know, dieta protocols, like communing with one of the other Amazonian plants, as well as weekly ayahuasca. It was like an initiation, right? So I say that because the dieta, um, it makes you very, very sensitive and open because your vibration is very high. Like you're barely eating, first of all, and then you're drinking this tea. And then, you know, there's obviously no meat, no alcohol, no milk, no sex, no, you know, like you're just communing with this plant. So pure, really, like really pure, pure, clean, <clears throat> clean. Yeah. So it goes around for the third time. And I was like, here it comes. I asked for this. Here it comes. And so it leaped into my chest and I felt this, what, uh, I've later heard described as, uh, Kundalini energy. So I mm. had massive vibration happen throughout my body, just massive. I was on the ground. And so the facility, there was facilitators and my, uh, shaman helping me. I had a very, very deep night, very deep experience. I, he had to keep come. He had to come and fish me out of the shamanic realms a couple of times. Like he had to bring me back kind of. So it was talk about an initiation, like it, you know, (laughs) really, but here's the funny thing was, um, with that experience is I went through the rest of the, that three day, um, medicine circle. So we drink, there was also a full moon. So the wolf on the full moon, I really got the full werewolf experience sort of. And I also should say, because there might be people that are listening that are going like you were possessed by a wolf, or that's very dark, or this is, this is bad mojo or juju or whatever. I also got this in thing implanted from me, this other vision from the moon that the Holy spirit was also with me and that the wolf was here for, uh, uh, its aim was true for healing, for teaching, for protection, for all of these things. I was in my personal life. I was going through, um, a very difficult time with someone that I had to get a restraining order against. And it was a very mm-hmm. ugly story. Someone that she had a mental issue, but the wolf was there. That's why the wolf presented itself was for protection for all of those things. And so the, the inter- here's the interesting thing is when I came back, cause after you drink ayahuasca, like if you have an ayahuasca ceremony at night, you can drive home the next day. It's not like you're, you know, you're out of it or you can't drive or, you know, like you're more clear usually than you are on, on a Tuesday. Right. So right. Um, uh, it was the day, not the next day, but the day after that, that I went back and, and my husband was not doing this initiation or did he attend this event, but he knew that it was going to be the deep part of this three month dieta and initiation. And anyway, um, I got out of my car and, uh, I looked at my car and I was like, what is that? <laughs> what, what, what is that thing? You know? So then I, I knew that I was somewhat sort of not grounded in this reality yet. And so, uh, I thought 
better to isolate myself than um, and continue to try and uh, recalibrate. So I locked myself in the garage and this worried my husband terribly. And um, in my mind, I was fine. I just needed a little more time. And so he called my shaman and my shaman came right away. He got me out of the garage and, and sort of talked me uh, back into the material to some degree. And he just asked me a question. He's like, so you had a very deep spirit animal um, experience. You know, I've never, I've not seen one quite as dramatic as this. And he goes, I just have a question. What do you, what do you feel like eating? You know? And I was like, and I was not eating meat at the time. And, um, I go, I want a steak, you know? And so, so he tells my husband, he's like, go to the store and get her a steak. And, um, so, you know, he's like, I'll bet you want it rare. And I went, I do, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the next morning, the other physical, like sort of hangover from the spirit animal thing is I had a voracious libido. Then that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not necessarily always my style. You know what I mean? It's average, you know what I mean? But that Mm -hmm. morning, like, I was like, you are calling in late to work. (laughs) So, um, so it took me like what I learned, it took me some time to recalibrate with the spirit animal and learn how to manage it, you know, learn how to have the animal work for me instead of uh, like the other way around. And Mm -hmm. so what I have taken away from that, you know, like there are in some shamanic circles, like there's this, there's this famous shamanic um, sort of uh, organization called the Michael Harner um, uh, School of Shamanism. And I've taken some courses there, but they claim that you really should not tell anybody what your spirit animal is. They've got their reasons. I don't necessarily prescribed to that. I feel like with shamanism, you are your own shaman, you write your own rules. Otherwise it's just more dogma. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so when I tell the story, I will tell because the wolf has its attributes. It has its power. It has its thing. It has its job. It wants to be told what to do and how to be of service. Right. Cause it's like all of those in those, you know, immaterial realms, they, they want to help us here. Their mandate is that to help us grow, learn, make this place have be um in the army of light i guess is so with that about the animal um spirit animals i've had several so yes i enjoy the fox very much enjoy the wolf the other one that i find it uh, very interesting it was the second one that presented itself also in an ayahuasca ceremony um and I've, i'll just tell you this one too because there's several of them and they all have their kind of jobs and then also you know facilitating others to bring in that sort of power guide or you know protection or, or because they all have certain things they do for you like the next one was um the deer presented itself and it was just the most beautiful vision i've think i've ever had just deep deep shamanic realms and a deer came in the most psychedelic and gorgeous way and it it um entered in a very similar fashion like through the heart chakra and um you know and like asked for permission you know the 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 deer is very graceful was it real gentle i feel like deers are gentle gentle and they they have a i was going through uh, some hormonal stuff and i'll you know the deer presented itself to help me heal and also for creativity However, the, the physical that came after that was interesting. I think like the very next, like came home on Sunday from the ceremony and, um, I played a lot of volleyball back then I was playing Monday, Wednesday and Friday nights. And so went to Monday night volleyball and also my desire for food was greatly diminished. And I just felt like, like nuts. (laughs) 
<laughs> and oh vegetables. yeah yeah i just wanted like, two figs and a berry that's it <laughs> that's totally it totally it was i'm not kidding like i'm not making no i believe you but the funny thing was i played volleyball that night and um not one but two people they didn't hear each other they both said that, that i reminded them of a deer that night and so wow. I up the hit and I guess it looked like I looked like a deer leaping or something mm-hmm. like that. And they didn't hear each other. The first one was like, oh my God. And then when the second one said it, you know, a similar comment, I was like, there's something to that energy field oh, yeah. thing, you know? So after that, like, it, sure, you know, it's anecdotal. There's probably people that are just like, come on, you know, whatever that it, to me, that just like with mediumship, it told me that there is far more to our um, existence than uh, we are led to believe. And it's far more magical Mm -hmm. and special. Um, I always think of it like Harry Potter, like with our Patronus and like everybody's got a different Patronus animal and like everything's so magical and beautiful. And like, we just, we, we are kind of like Harry Potter, but we don't have wands or, you know, but it's like, we can still have magical experiences. Oh, totally. I think there's some great wisdom in those books and movie mm-hmm. and, and, you know, of course, Dumbledore is my favorite all-time character. <laughs> he's so wise. <laughs> and he, just, he can just lay it on you without even saying much. And you're like, whoa, Dumbledore's um, deep, <laughs> like, and well, plus like Rowling, I think she knows some deep magic. I think she's tapped in for sure. Stuff. I think yeah. she's really tapped in, but, or she's, so been, let's say, this well, she might've been into some dark shit. I don't know her personally, but yeah. well, either like way, say, I'm a fan you know, of the movies. Always choose Gryffindor. It's a, like, it's a joke <laughs> in my family. Cause they all love Harry Potter. I read the books to all my kids at least four times and I would do accents mm-hmm. and the whole thing. And so I'd always be like, always choose Gryffindor (laughs) you know Harry's given a choice in the beginning he could have chose Slytherin but he Mm -hmm. he, you know so that's because he placed his intent you know and plus places and he has the 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 free will to say no I'm a Gryffindor or like no I'm but let's say somebody wants to get in touch with their spirit animal, but they're not going to try ayahuasca or something like sure. that. What are like some things like tips for the soccer mom on how they can connect with their spirit animal? Good way to put it. Yeah. Okay. So this is very easy. So uh, when, when like on my website, it says I'm a facilitator and I can't, you know, I can facilitate that if you feel like this is not something you can do for yourself. You can, you can hundred percent do this for yourself. And it's, uh, it might take a little practice or it might take a few times, but get yourself a shamanic drumming track. There's apps for it. Uh, iPhone has one. I want to say it's just called shamanic drum journey or something like that's perfectly fine. All you need is something that is just a rhythmic sort of bland, uh, uh, uh repetitive drum, like boom, 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 you know, syncopated, mm-hmm. uh, just so, and what that does if, you know, with earbuds, you know, with eye shade or not just privacy lay down. Um, what that does is it will, you, you, I've heard this technically described before that as your brain is continuing, trying to find a pattern in that rhythm or, or in that just uh, sort of boring uh, straight, just uh, drum sound that you're, you're trying to make a pattern in it where there is none. Mm-hmm. And through that process, it, it takes you, um, 
deeper in, it takes you out of the conscious mind and uh, brings your way, uh, brings your brainwaves down so that you're essentially can um, maybe let the, you know, let, let the bills go, let the day go and, you know, kind of uh, bring you into focus. So there's uh, shamanically speaking, you can go either way. You can go to the upper world or you can go to the lower world. So in the lower world, you got to the lower world. That doesn't mean it's dark. It doesn't, it just, there's just one or the other. And they're both shamanic realms. They're both have their attributes. They both, you can find your spirit animal. Uh, if you go down, you uh, picture yourself going into a hole, into a cave, down some stairs, down an elevator, anything that's going to take you physically, psychologically down. And when you feel that you've gotten to a place where you're in a lowest place, then you put the request out, you ask your guides, you ask a spirit animal to present itself. And uh, typically what will happen is you may see several animals. You may see, you may not see any animals at all. Um, if you do see an animal, they will usually present themselves in such a way that's a little bit different. Something that you don't necessarily feel that you made up, that you, that you sort of generated. And that's the difference where without the drum, it's much hard, it's much more difficult to do um, where with the drum, you're essentially uh, entering a sort of self-hypnosis. And with that self-hypnosis, you can kind of, uh, um, you can kind of um, differentiate whether you wanted to see a squirrel or if the squirrel presented itself. And it's usually an animal that you're not expecting. Like you might really love cats and then you get an armadillo, you know, or something. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the, to journey into the upper world, it's the same. The way I, I go into the upper world, mostly because I'm more comfortable there. Um, and what I do is I have, have a, I know this tree in real life and there's a tree I go to and I visualize climbing that tree. And I climb and climb and climb until I feel I'm at the top. And so because I've done it enough times, there is a guide that meets me there. He's almost always there. And um, he's presented himself in different animal forms. So um, with having placed your intent on what you're looking for, if you happen to have a guide uh, or if you feel that you have a presence there with you, sometimes the presence is the animal. So, um, you know, if you're, op if you're not having too many expectations. If you're open to those possibilities that perhaps presence that you feel there is going to morph into your spirit animal. In any case, almost always, you, you're, you're pretty sure what that animal is. That's if you, and then if it, if you, you might try it three times and get nothing, you know, but if you're if you're committed and keep trying it, there'll be a time where you'll, you'll be looking around and you see nothing. And then a frog jumps in your lap and you're like, Oh, Oh okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the frog, you know? And so if, if you can take yourself deep enough with the shamanic drumming, you can ask the frog, you know, why they present itself or what, you know, what, what message the frog has for you, you know, and, and if, if you're open, then it might, it might uh, give you some deep insights in your life. And so uh, an after effect sometimes with the spirit animal stuff is they will let you know in your material waking life that they've made their appearance. So, and it might be like, you see it, you see a bear on a billboard and you're like, Oh, the bear. Okay. There's mm -hmm. a bear. Or, you know, you might actually see a bear if you live in an mm -hmm. area where, you know, that it could present itself or, you know, someone might give you a, um, 
a gift of, you know, a bear necklace. And you're like, why'd you do that? And I'm like, I don't know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, like the connection, a, the connection. So the, the great, like if using the bear as an example, it's the great spirit of the bear that's presenting itself. It's not just a random bear that's coming to guide you. It's the great spirit of the bear. And these great spirits, these avatars, these, you know, these energies that are helping to evolve and, and uh, help the planet, they are teachers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, what our, what, our culture does with trying to sort of disseminate some of this information is you you can look it up. You can say, I think my spirit animal is a crow. And then you can look up the crow and what it's all its attributes are because I've got a crow that follows me all the time. And, you know, like, I I think that, I think the shamanic realm is trying to talk to me. It is, it always is. You just, not everybody has the eyes or ears to listen. Um, Yeah. And that's the, that's the whole main thing is like, even if you try a little bit, you can start to see in your life some, some connections. Totally. And so to go back to our, um, you know, conversation about um, uh, walking in your power, those, when you know, they exist and are guiding you in your journey, in your job, um, they bring you power. So that's why shamans will wear antlers while they wear the bear hide while, while they're wear the coyote uh-huh. is, they bring with them their their tribe their army you know their army of light it's it's just like in our culture our westernized sort of dogmatic culture that's weird but for hundreds of thousands of years you know the mm-hmm. true spiritual practice has been these things you know putting the the hawk's feather in your hair going into battle kind of thing you know is, I think that's beautiful. It is beautiful. It really is. It's the, it, it's the true religion, you know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and with that said, um, you know, cause people, people are people with their egos and their, their agendas and stuff, you know, people are trying to capitalize on that and try and lead and try and impart their will over others. The thing about a shamanic practice is you are your own shaman. You know, you are your own priest. You are your only um, power. You can learn from other ones. You can learn mm-hmm. and see how other people do it. But the second somebody comes in and tells you, you got to do it any one way, you know, is the second you need to find the door and find a new teacher, you know? And well, yeah, it's, it's kind of like when you're little, you need somebody to tell you how to brush your teeth and wipe your ass and how to put clothes on in the morning and you had how to drive a car. And do, but after you've learned it and you've done it, you're like, okay, well, I don't need you to stand over my shoulder and tell me how to brush my teeth every day. You know what I mean? You got yeah. it. You know right. how to do it now. Right. So right. you might need a teacher in the beginning, but you eventually will become the teacher to someone else like your children or to, right. you know what I mean? So it's like, you become that. Totally. Uh, totally agree. And then, you know, there's all kinds of different teachers, um, you know, like I can't necessarily call myself a shaman because I've got all a bunch of other things that I do. Like I've got a Buddhist meditation practice. So do I call myself a Buddhist? No, I have a, I practice that because it it does other things for me. It teaches me other Mm -hmm. things. So I think we live in this culture where we identity politics, I'm a this and it's better, you know? Like, so that's where I think we, that, you know, 
um, what's that? Um, I don't know if you listen to Crow triple seven, but you know, like he says, belief is the end of knowing, like, as soon as you think you believe something, and this is the only way, this is the way, then you stop Mm -hmm. growing, you know, you stop uh, allowing the possibility for change Mm -hmm. and growth and stuff. So, um, and I just call it a shamanic practice because I really don't have another name for it. It's the animals, it's the plants, it's the mediumship, it's, you know, uh, it's reading, you know, I'm, I think a lot of the truth people, and you probably do the same thing. Well, I know you do, because you said when you see a penny, you know, every time you have yeah. a thought of you see a penny, that's a shamanic practice right there. You're reading the signs around you, you know, if or, or you, uh, you come across a, a sign that says dead end, you're like, is that literal or figurative? I'm going to like, you know, like we read the world around, we read the signs around us. So that's where I become very conspiratorial because I think that our medias, all of the medias and all of the controlling, whatever we want to call parasite class, they're trying to keep us from finding out this knowledge that we don't. Well, and they're, they're doing everything that like someone like you and I would, would focus on like the light path. But they're doing all the same things we're doing, except in a dark way. All the symbolisms in the movies and all the subconscious, you know, and you don't even realize what you saw or or you don't even realize that's something dark. And then you then somebody like, you you know, I don't know if you listen to New York Patriot, but he's like, oh, did you watch this movie? Here's this. Here's this. Here's this. Here's this. And you're like, oh, my God. Totally. It's a demonic movie. It's a (laughs) dark. Yeah. So. And that like, uh, that is parasitic. And so invading mm-hmm. anybody's sovereignty, I think that's what evil is. Anything that is a yeah. uh, counter to nature and invades someone else's sovereignty, that's antichrist, you know? So, right. and it's everywhere, especially the last couple of years, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, that's why. I well, think- I mean, we've been inundated by it, but I'm so glad we think alike. And I'm so glad that I found you and you agreed to come on. For sure. So I really say, enjoyed this. Oh, me too. Let's say somebody wants to contact you. They want to do animal, spirit animal, or, you know, get in touch with their loved ones, something like that. Where should they go? Should they find you on Instagram, your website? Either. So I have a website. It's WhitneyFoxMedium.com. And there's, you know, a list of, the various services and stuff. And for sure, the mediumship I can do over zoom very easy. And I can do the others, um, you know, because I, I do have an ex, uh, I do have a history of, uh, Reiki master practice. Um, and the animal spirit animal facilitation. I really do like to do those in person though. It's just, I don't know why it's a personal vibration thing. And I live in Los Angeles. So if if that happened to be a thing, I can certainly, um, I can certainly do things like that in person or, you know, even Mm -hmm. like house clearing or something like that in the general Southern California area. Um, But that mediumship and the tarot and um, those kind of things uh, I can do via zoom. And um, my Instagram is at trickster Fox seven. So I would love to hear from anybody just to have some feedback or say, Hey, you know, that kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. and now for the honorary question, madam, what is your favorite scary movie? Oh, favorite scary movie. Um, If you even have one. (laughs) 
very favorite. Wow. I, I know it's hard to pick one. It is. God, okay. So I guess I've had favorites throughout the years because like, okay, I watched Rosemary's Baby um, not that long ago. I rewatched it with new eyes because like I know that Polanski and I'm like fairly certain that the whole like uh, Manson family story we're told is, is mm-hmm. bullshit. and so like with Polanski, so there's a lot going on in that film, you know, yes. especially like there's the, the guy that ran the Budafield cult. I can't remember his name, but he's in that movie, like uh, as an actor, like, so mm-hmm. I like movies that have a lot going on and also have stuff going on behind the scenes that make yes. it so a piece of, and I live in Los Angeles. And so like, there's a dark underbelly of Los Angeles that I'm completely fascinated with. So these mm-hmm. weird, dark satanic Hollywood creeps and stuff anyway. So, uh, I'll, have I'm, you watched or have you listened to my Stanley Kubrick stuff? Oh no, I haven't, but I will. You'll I love it. Kubrick. Whitney, you're going to absolutely love it. And my favorite scary movie of all time is the shining. And okay. Stanley Kubrick was an occulted motherfucker. He I put think. all kinds of stuff in there. For sure. Watch that Kubrick's code. Like back mm-hmm. when that came, and that stuff, I love that shit. Like he's the modern, mm-hmm. bitch, right? So, but <laughs> so I haven't like, I don't do a lot of horror, but when I do, like it's often with my middle daughter and she's a bit of a aficionado, you know, and she is like, you got to watch Hereditary. And I watched that. I knew you were going to say that. That MFR is an absolute genius. That (laughs) that movie's a masterpiece. Like it's, I mean, every shot is a painting and every like, nuances mm-hmm. is so like ha- like fuck the oscars like that the <laughs> fact that you know that is just classified as horror and not an actual masterpiece you know like i did see i agree Mar, but i wasn't i mean Midsommar was disturbing as hell but hereditary was like off the chain you know <laughs> like oh thing. yeah it so was bad i had to say you know a current favorite you know and i you know for the most part since I started drinking ayahuasca and stuff, it's really hard to scare me. Like I don't get a jump scare much and stuff, <laughs> but I was watching it with her and I was, I was like, you know, I had to get up and walk around the couch a couple of times. I was <laughs> I, like, okay, let me just, uh, let me just take one lap around breath. the couch. And then yeah. My mom might need a glass of Chardonnay on this one. <laughs> I watched it with my, um, with my husband and my father-in-law and they were just ah, ah, the whole time. And I was like, no, yeah, this is, this is awesome. I so loved good. it. Ari Aster. Whoa, dude. Way to get down, you know? Mm. So yeah, that's my answer. No. That is a really good one. That was a really good one. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I hadn't watched it in a while. And then I saw it on like HBO or something. And I was like, I can't watch it by myself. Yeah, no. Point blank. It's <laughs> not fun. Not fun to watch alone. But uh, also, also one like to like pick it apart, you know, scene by scene. There's so many Easter eggs in there, you know. Like you know, if you if you watch closely enough, you know what's going to actually happen. You know, with the piano mm-hmm. string and all that. No spoilers, but um, yeah, so good, so good. And with with with, okay, you're, no spoilers. If you haven't seen it go see it and see or see it with someone else don't go by yourself yeah. <laughs> don't go to over 
to the couch with a glass of wine and think you're going to be okay watching it alone. <laughs> and we all know the <laughs> scene. That movie. I mean, everybody that's seen it knows the scene where it turns real quick. You know, oh, this yes. is a movie. Oh, it's just a, okay. Acting's good. Story's good. Ooh, what the actual fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so anybody who listens to this episode, if you haven't seen it and you go watch it, leave a comment on Instagram and, and t- tell us what your favorite part of that movie was. <laughs> but it's been such a great time uh getting to talk with you and just share sharing similar stories and just you know having somebody like-minded to confide in (laughs) you won't think I'm a kooker so (laughs) but so to all the listeners have a great night and thank you so much for listening good night